Welcome to the Subject Leaders Podcast, the podcast for primary subject leaders from Aidan Severs Consulting. Over the next 30 minutes, we're going to be speaking with a primary subject leader and digging into a couple of aspects of subject leadership to inspire you in your own leadership position. First, we'll talk about subject leadership in general, and then we'll focus in on a particular subject, learning from the experiences of today's guest. So, whether you're on a run, commuting to work, out for a walk with the dog, or just settling down with a cuppa, let's meet today's guest. Hello, Emily. Hi. Thanks for joining us today. No problem. Could you, first of all, tell us a little bit about you? Who are you? Where can we get in touch with you and so on? No problem. So my name's Emily Griffin. I'm assistant head teacher at Haslam Park Primary School in Bolton. Um, I've been teaching 13 years all in all. Um, Specialism's English, really, but I lead on many different things, which we'll discuss later. If you want to find me, to contact me, you can find me at my school Twitter, which is at Haslam Park Prim 1. Great, thank you. And can you no tell problem. us a little bit about your experience as a primary teacher and subject leader and the other leadership roles you have as well. Yeah, sure. So I've been teaching 13 years. Um, all of my 13 years have been spent in primary schools in Bolton, three different schools, but my current school I've been, this is this is my 11th year. Um, started as an RQT here and sort of just gained much, much experience over the years. Um, most of my years have been spent teaching year six. I did have a little hiatus off the old uh, year six treadmill for two years, went to year four, missed that treadmill a little bit and went back in. Um, but throughout that time, I've had a couple of leadership roles. I started off as the um, Poison Chalice computing lead as an RQT, where it was, can you please unplug and plug the computer back in again? Um, but then over the years, my uh, responsibility grew. I've done a short stint as art lead. Um, but the biggest chunk of my leadership has been English leadership. So that's the whole of reading, writing, and also key stage two phonics for children who are still needing that phonics intervention. And more recently, so the last two and a half years, I've been MFL lead um, at my school. Um, and in the last 18 months, I've also had the pleasure of being assistant head teacher with the overarching responsibility of curriculum lead and teaching and learning lead. So quite a lot at the moment. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Loads of experience, which I know is going to be great for the listeners of this podcast. So thank you for agreeing. No to, problem. To talk to us today. No problem at all. So I know you've, you've, you've mentioned that English is probably your subject specialism. Is that something you did at uni? Is that something that you find as your favourite thing to teach or are there other subjects that take that mantle? Um, a little bit of everything you've just said, really. So my degree was um, English Language and Creative Writing at Salford University, um, which has always given me an interest in, in language, semantics, grammar, um, how sentences are constructed, which in many ways has led me into being MFL lead as well, because that obviously features very heavily in the teaching of modern foreign languages. But yeah, I would say English is my favourite, particularly writing. Um, it's my favourite lesson or subject to teach, closely followed by art. I really, really enjoy teaching art design as well, so... Yeah. Brilliant. And if the, the curriculum were being slimmed down, not that we want it to be, no. which subject would you fight hard to keep? I would fight hard to keep PSHE. Um, I feel, it might be an unpopular opinion, but I just feel with um, the way our children live their lives now, um, not so much outdoor, lots indoor, their personal safety it should take priority. And I do wonder if, you know, lots of our 
iPad generation, our computer generation, when they come to be in the big, big outside world, will they have all that um, that personal safety understanding if we were to take PSHE out of the curriculum? And on another level as well, um, through PSHE, you do teach a lot of online safety and how to be a good digital citizen. So I just think the, the current state of the world and what childhood looks like for a lot of children, I think I would insist that PSHE be a huge part of the curriculum. Great answer, thank you. What do you love about being a subject leader? I love, and this isn't immediate, so if there are any new um, subject leaders out there, don't panic if you've not seen this yet. I love the impact, the tangible impact of being a leader. Um, you don't always get it right, but when you do, and it's obvious, it's so satisfying. It's as satisfying as when you're teaching the, the children. Those aha moments, I've got this now. So when you've done that to it for an adult, who perhaps has found teaching a specific subject a little bit difficult or a little bit, you know, um, uncomfortable or they don't feel like they've got the knowledge. When you've had the impact and that scene in the adults and the children, it's it's hugely satisfying. And on another level, um, as a parent, I often think in the back of my head, what would I want my children to experience in this specific subject? So I, I like to come at it from two points of view. I'm trying to help as many people as I can with subject leadership. So I, I think the impact is the most satisfying part. Brilliant, thank you. How can subject leaders ensure that their subject's curriculum is inclusive? Okay, I just, I, th I think the biggest, the most obvious point is making sure the pupils who are supported by adults get the right support. It's about monitoring and making sure that those adults are not just sitting by the children, making sure that they've got plenty of resources to use, and make sure they feel comfortable to know which resource to grab to support the children. Um, and making sure you're building in lots of oral rehearsal wherever possible, not just for MFL, but for other subjects as well. So when the teaching is, is the teaching main focal part is finished, getting the children to repeat things back to you, but passing that on to all your teachers and all your subject leaders and all your, your uh, TAs who are supporting in class, making sure that oral rehearsal is really, really important. Um, but from an MFL standpoint, um, I think it's it's about making sure you're giving opportunities to to see links between other subjects as well and their own home languages. We we try to do quite a lot, um, but making sure that first and foremost the curriculum is suitable for the children. That's that's really obvious. But that the communication between your subject leaders, your teaching assistants, and your teachers is is there and it it happens daily and as often as possible. Um, I could talk more about MFL, um, if that's at all useful in this conversation but um if you are an mfl lead and you and you're looking to get some tips from this um the most interesting thing that we've done for inclusion in our school we have many many languages spoken at our school last time we counted there were 29 different languages spoken in our school community which is enormous it's a huge amount of languages so through primary languages network who are our um, external provider we um, have introduced a, a weekly certificate called Language Detectives. And it's not about being the most fluent in Spanish because that does not help the children who aren't attaining very well to feel included and part of it. Um, it's about exploration and identifying links. Um, so last week I was, was lucky enough to be in a year five lesson um, and the children were just putting their hands up and they were saying, oh, in Oromo, this, that's the same or in Urdu that's the same and they weren't the most high attaining pupils that were answering those those questions and they were they were celebrated by being given a, a language detective um certificate so I, I think as long as you're celebrating the small wins and not just the attainment 
and the, the small steps of progress children make. I think that's the most in inclusion you uh, inclusive thing that you can do for the pupils. So if we were to extrapolate that out for, for other subject leaders, it sounds like yeah. the, the principle there is to start where the children are at themselves and to Absolutely. tap into what you know about them, mm -hmm. tap into what their interests and their, their skills and knowledge are and, and yeah. to make those links with your yeah. curriculum, uh, whether that's the kind of curriculum that's down on paper or the mm -hmm. curriculum that's enacted in the classroom by yeah. the teachers. Yeah, definitely. And what's pertinent to those specific children, like you say, in their interest, their needs, their current level of attainment, their home languages. Um, yeah, and I think that that's how we, so I feel that at Haslam Park, we have got inclusion, um, particularly in MFL, but other subjects, um, really effectively working. And that that's relationship, isn't it? Mm -hmm. To know the children, to, yeah. to understand them and to tailor how you teach what your curriculum contains to them yeah definitely brilliant thank you let's move on a little bit to a slightly different subject then so how can subject leaders ensure that their action planning will actually lead to their subject goals being met okay um i would always offer the top tip of doing audits i know they're a bit might seem a little bit boring or it might seem a little bit hard work for the staff but if you can keep your questions on your staff audit for example really pertinent and you keep in mind your vision what do you want your subject to look like and tailoring those questions if you can keep like three or four questions send it out as a google forms for example that takes three or four minutes you very quickly come up with areas for development for your subject so it shouldn't just be things that you want to do for your subject because i fell down that trap quite early on in my leadership like oh, i want it to look like this but then when i actually put it on my action plan started working on it i found that it was already happening or i found that um staff were already on the way to doing that and it was a bit of a, a waste of my time so um I just think a staff audit is always a really useful place to start thinking um, about what it already looks like and what you want it to look like next. And also linking it closely to the school development plan wherever you can, because then you've got everybody on board, your head teachers on board, your deputies on board, all the subject leaders are on board as, as classroom teachers, because we all have a part to play in achieving um, the goals on the school development plan. So I think those two would be my top tips. Staff audit, skill development plan links wherever possible and then also pupil voice pupil voice is huge when it comes to developing your subject plan because they're the clients it's not the right word to use but they are aren't they they're the people who are receiving your offer and if they don't want it to if they're not happy with it you need to make sure that it's it's tailored exactly to the the, the children who are experiencing that so they would be my top three tips so we're talking here about action planning from a foundation of knowing your school knowing the context knowing what's yeah. already happening and yeah. not falling into the trap of maybe seeing something online having a particular <clears throat> curriculum in mind and then saying we're going to put this in place but absolutely really dig down and explore what is going on in your school before you even say well these are my goals and these are the actions that I'm this is to. what i want it to look like i think if i can go right back to the very start of when we um we have a like I say an external provider who does who delivers the teaching, but that's not all we 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 do with with MFL in our school. Before we even looked at which provider we were using, we did some real research about our local offer. So we looked at each high school. This is with MFL in mind, and looked at the, the top five schools that our children attend. Which languages are they actually going to go on to study? 
wasn't just me thinking, oh, I'd really like to deliver Spanish at Hasden Park. It was looking at all the local high schools and all the local high schools had Spanish on their curriculum. And that for me is going, right, how can I fully prepare the children for the next step? And that's by making sure it closely matches to the local offer. Um, so if you are at the very starting point of your um, of your leadership, it's looking what's next for the children, making sure your action plan reflects what's next for them, not just what you want the subject to look like, because that's the ultimate goal, isn't it? To prepare them for the next stage, whether that be key stage two key, or key stage three. Um, so I think thinking about what's next for the children, not just for the school, is also really, really important. Right. Can I come back to what you said about pupil voice and asking mm. children about what their thoughts are how much do you balance out what they want with what you think is is right and necessary you could have children who say no I don't want to learn a language at all so what, mm. what do you do with that luckily I've, I haven't actually really experienced any of that um occasionally you get children saying I want to you know learn Spanish all day on a Monday and obviously that's that's the type of response which is lovely it tells you that they're enjoying Spanish but it's something we can't honour so I think we just have the conversation there and then with the children and say I really like that you enjoy it so much but that's not really possible so thinking about the time restraints that we do have in that half an hour what do you want that lesson to look like so just sort of try and bring it back to reality for them because it's like if you ask your children what they want in the home they'd always say a slide and a swimming pool it's just the way children work but it's about bringing them back to reality and saying this is what we can control this is this is what we can um offer you but what we can't offer you is everything that you like and I think it's just a good life lesson in general to have that conversation with with children really but um it isn't just them talking at us it becomes a discussion then which I I prefer bit of a negotiation if you will yeah exactly yeah i think we, we often think of pupil voice as just being a kind of a one-way uh, oh no it definitely shouldn't be mm, it definitely shouldn't be it should be a discussion in which i sometimes say to the children i'm thinking of um changing this element of our spanish lesson what do you think so it's another tip is to sort of direct the conversation and give them an idea of what it might look like and do they think that's a good a good idea and give them a um, sort of an opportunity to say why. And then they might say, well, I'd prefer it to look like that because in this lesson, I don't, I don't really like that part. So that's, that gives them a look, it gives you a little bit of an understanding of why, why they want it to look a certain way. If you can direct the conversation. Yeah. So, so not just those kind of statements. I want this, but why do you want it? What why do you want like it? About that? What is it that you find difficult about that? And then, yeah. and then coming back to yourself and saying, well, actually, they do need to find it a little bit difficult. If it's not kind of picked mm. correctly, then mm. it's not going to do its job, for example. Exactly. But then yeah. coming back to them with that explanation, providing them with that understanding that that explains why you've made the decisions you've made. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we have um, we have subject leaders at, uh, at our school as well, which is something we've just started. So um, pupil voice happens really regularly as well. So we have English subject leader pupils and they'll come and help us. They'll they'll go sort of go and have a little look around school and see what's happening. Not like little spies or anything, but they do go and have a little look of things that we've talked about. And said, go and have a look at the working walls. What do you think? So I think um, they all have these little badges as well I've got on here. They'll have a little subject leader badge. So everyone knows if they're coming in, what they're in for. So that's quite, that's another element of pupil voice that we've incorporated. They actually have a, a leadership role themselves, which they're really enjoying. So That's great. How did you employ those student subject leaders? They uh, wrote little applications. 
So we, we aimed at year four. We went for year four because there's no point doing year five and six at the moment. The year six are really busy with SATs and then they're not going to be in our school for much longer. Um, and then we thought if we wanted a really good run at this, if we wanted to give pupils a couple of years, we, we aimed it at year four and we were inundated with um, with applications that say which subject, why they enjoyed it. So they couldn't just go, Do you know, I fancy being music subject leader. They had to give an actual tangible, real reason why they wanted to do it. And the... Um, the, the applications are really impressive and it was quite hard to choose so I would recommend um if you if you were looking to do that I would make it an application process so you know you're getting the right person for the job that's great I mean I've heard of digital leaders but this takes it a few steps further mm-hmm. and, and has one or a, a number I suppose of children for each subject what, what sort of role do they have their role is they meet with the, they, they first of all met with me. So we we then have a chat about what their role will look like. Then they, they, the next step is to meet with the subject leaders, where the subject leaders will say over the next year, this is what I'm trying to develop. This is what I expect to see in the classrooms. If you were to go in a year two classroom, you might see this on the working wall. And they'll just give them little jobs to sort of look out for. Um, they might include, when you're on the playground, might you ever talk to the year twos and see what they're thinking of their their um music lessons or why don't you have a chat with the year fours and find out if they're enjoying netball in PE um, and it's just making that dialogue and on another level as well I hate to bring up the word it also prepares pupils quite well for that dreaded Ofsted pupil voice um, because the more the pupils are prepared to have a, to have a conversation off the huff about um, about their subjects the more prepared they'll be if they are chosen to have that conversation with a stranger so that's just another nice byproduct of that as well. So you you have just had an Ofsted. Were those the children who spoke to inspectors, or was yeah 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 we we did put some of the uh, the subject leaders forward for those conversations, um, and also we were able to select some of the children who have been involved in the other pupil voice um, conversations, and that was really really useful because they were just used to it. They weren't panicked. They weren't stressed they weren't overwhelmed they were sort of used to the conversations we we never frame the conversations with the children around what Ofsted might ask them it's more about what they think about the subject because if as we discussed earlier if you get it right for the children it's going to be right for anybody else that's coming to look because you can talk confidently and say this is the right offer for our children so yeah I think it's just all in the preparation when it comes to those conversations If you're a subject leader in a primary school and you have great ideas to share and you'd like to appear as a guest on this podcast, get in touch with me on social media or email me at info at aidensevers.com. So in terms of the offer for your children, then let's talk about what your MFL curriculum looks like. And if you do want to drop in any gems of wisdom with regards to Ofsted, I'm sure that would be so useful for other subject leaders as well. Okie doke. So um, as I say, I've been MFL subject leader for, for a couple of years now. Um, and we're sort of at the infancy of have, um, having a, an external provider. So if I can just give a little shout out to Primary Languages Network. They are incredible. And I can't speak highly enough for the two teachers that we've had over over the last couple of years, Um, Senorita Thompson and Senorita Arms. The children do call them Senorita as well. We don't go down the Miss or Mrs. Rue. It's it's full Spanish immersion in our school. Um, The curriculum is planned out and delivered by Primary Languages Network. However, it isn't. We didn't just want a once a week standalone extra. It's the complete opposite to what we do in this school. 
um, we we offer an immersion sort of experience. So all the the doors and um, windows and equipment is labelled with Spanish words all around school, all the way from reception to key stage two. Um, we've had things like assemblies where the parents have done stay and play, where the children have uh, played Spanish games. Um, we've had only this week we made connect, like, links with the local high school. They came in and did an enrichment and they were absolutely blown away by their attention and knowledge of our pupils. And that's all down to the fact that, yes, we have an external provider who are experts, but we enrich it at the same time. So the reason we chose Primary Languages Network is because it's it really reflects the way we teach our children anyway. So it's spiral. It's space learning. And like I said, if we go back to progression, which you've asked me to discuss as well, when we looked at the curriculum before we moved to Primary Languages Network, was just the progression with, and the sequencing was just so clear. So, for example, in year three, they start with um, general greetings, hola. And then as each year goes on, another, that is extended. So it becomes, hello, my name is, my age is and I live. And then conjunctions are added in. Added in so we've got lots of grammar that is then added um into the curriculum there pronunciation is revisited um i'm really really confident in what primary languages network deliver um and as we've mentioned earlier in the recent inspection um they were really impressed with the pupils retention that's because of the way the curriculum is designed so it's not just visited once and then they're expected to remember it it's it's revisited through songs and games and dances um and then Another element to it that we think is really, really special is that through Primary Languages Network, we've also um, set up a pen pals scheme with another school on the, um, in Merseyside. So we apply those those writing skills to an actual tangible life experience. Um, and if we go back to inclusion again, we made sure the children that were matched were of a similar similar attainment level to make sure they weren't receiving a letter that they couldn't read or they weren't writing a very short passage to somebody who might be expecting much more from a year five pupil. So um, there's lots of elements that, of our offer that I'm really, really proud of. But I just think seeing that the children are actually applying their Spanish skills day in, day out when they're answering the register. Well, if I pass them on the corridor, I'll, I'll try and ask them a couple of questions in Spanish. And generally, the retention is is quite incredible. So, yeah. Um, in terms of top tips when it comes to being prepared for um, anything, I think we know we're talking about Austin there. I would say having that curriculum in your file, whether that be an online file in the cloud or whether that be an actual paper file, um, is practice talking through the sequence don't think you'll just have it in front of you and all come, you know, it'll all come out with ease because it it might not. And that's not what you want to do to yourself. No one wants to do that to yourself. So I would, my suggestion would be have that curriculum printed out and just every now and again to one of your colleagues or I don't know, to yourself even, pick one strand you could pick speaking, you could pick listening and one of the DFE for uh, MFL skills and just have a practice about how that is progressive in your school. And um, one thing I did couple of months ago that I found really useful was I took the curriculum overview and I found I, took, I picked one strand so it was um sentences and greetings and I photocopied work from year three year four year five and year six and stapled it together and said that's how it's progressive and you're hitting a couple of things there you're hitting your intent you're hitting your implementation and you're hitting the impact because you can see what that actually looks like across your school so yeah I've covered a lot of ground there but um I do feel 
that we've got the offer right at our school. Um, and I'm really proud of what it looks like, um, particularly because I do feel the children are ready for the next stage, whatever it, whatever it is, really. And um, the long term vision is that we start this in key stage one. But I think we're a little bit a little bit off that for now. So, yeah, that's pretty much what it looks like at Hasden Park. When you got to the Ofsted meeting, you know, you've explained to us that you did a little bit of prep over the last few months. Was it the fact that you had prepared for Ofsted that meant you were prepared for Ofsted? No, no, that, no. It's, this, it's probably the smallest part. I think the reason that I felt prepared for Ofsted was that because I really, truly had the children at the heart of everything that I was planning and doing as a subject leader. Um, I'm a real believer if you get it right for the children, you can explain that to absolutely anybody. It doesn't matter who they are. If you can justify whatever reason you have for your curriculum being plotted out or sequenced in a specific way, or if you can explain why you do all these enrichments and um, why you take the time to do the assemblies for the, for the parents, if you can justify all of those reasons, you'll be prepared for any conversation. And obviously it's right then the, the outcomes for the children are better because it's the children at the heart of every decision that you're making and I think that is the overarching message I want to get across if you are making the decisions for the children everything else will fall into place yeah I agree that's something that I would want to a message I'd want to put out there as well but it's really good to hear that you can still say that having had the Ofsted experience as well yeah. You, I think you mentioned to me earlier that you asked for a deep dive in MFL. Was that because you wanted it to be a developmental process? What did you get out of that? Um, I had a conversation with our external provider and just it was very casual at first. I just said, are we doing it right? Do you think compared to other schools? What what do you what do you think? And she just said, I feel I really feel like the offer you're giving your children is is exceptional. And I wanted a bit of clarity if that was the case. I wanted somebody who wasn't close to us who could come and look at the bare facts to say, yeah, you've got this right. So it was developmental in the sense that I wanted a bit, a bit of clarity. But I also wanted to know what was next because I felt I'd sort of not exhausted everything I wanted to do, but I wanted to know if there was anything I'd missed. Was there a big glaring part of our offer that I hadn't considered Um and I, I found it really supportive. I genuinely did. And I don't want anyone to feel frightened by it. I actually found it very, very supportive. Um, it was fair. Um, and because I had prepared myself slightly, but, but because I had had the children in mind from the very beginning, that also came across when they spoke to the children. The children know that as a leader, I love MFL. The children know that it's very important to us at school. It's not just wheeled out once a week that half an hour slot that they get it's it's a part of our our offer at school because our children are bilingual and they the majority of them are anyway are bilingual and they they love languages I want we want to in, to foster that with them so um yeah I don't I don't I, I feel like asking for it was the right thing for a, num a right decision for a number of reasons really that's great that's so encouraging to hear and really you've gamed Ofsted there in that you've made sure that you have got something out of it that is useful yeah. for you you've been able to clarify mm -hmm. that what you are offering is really good and and it sounds like you've kind of gained some next steps as well definitely I've redrafted the action plan since nothing major I hadn't missed anything enormous but it was just those finite details the granular details where they're saying if you considered this I would have liked to have seen that ah, okay I've got that um but because everything started with the children anything else that I've been 
asked to do is just a byproduct of getting it right for the children. So that that I'm fine with those little details being added to the action plan. Thank you so much, Emily, for those answers. Really useful, not just for MFL leaders, but I think for, for any subject leaders and even um, other school leads as well, just especially around your experience of Ofsted. It's nice to have those positive stories because perhaps they're not always like that. Although I do hear a lot of good stories these days about Ofsted. So yeah. thank you for joining us today. No problem, really enjoyed it. I've loved hearing about what you do at your school. It sounds so inspirational. Is there anything you'd like to add before you go? The overarching message I think I've tried to get across is please do just take your time with decisions when it comes to leadership, thinking carefully about not just these things that pop up on Facebook or pop up in the teacher groups. Look really carefully at your at your school, at your community. Will, will it work? What's it going to add to it before you add to the teacher's workload? Um, and just really speak to some of your more experienced staff as well if you are very early on um, in your leadership journey. And most of all, enjoy it. Um, time passes quickly. I can say with with conviction that 13 years have gone past, um, gone by very, very quickly and I've enjoyed every minute. Some of it's been stressful, but just enjoy your leadership journey and, and enjoy the children is what I would say. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Subject Leaders Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and that it will help you as you lead your team in the teaching of your subject. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please take a few moments to rate and follow us on your podcast app. And if you found this episode useful, why not share it on social media? We'll see you next time for another episode of the Subject Leaders Podcast. In the meantime, why not come and say hello to us on social media, on Twitter at Aidan Severs and at facebook.com slash Aidan Severs.